Wow, it has been a while. Few months, biggest break I've taken from this podcast. But it was just natural. I always record when I feel like it, and I don't record when I don't feel like it. It's very simple to me. So for the past few months, I have been dealing with a few different themes, which I hope to record a few episodes soon about all of this. But the biggest one probably being health and the relationship I have with my own body. That is the paramount theme. And I feel like I've changed so much that I would probably be embarrassed if I went back and listened to previous health podcasts on this podcast. If I listened to previous episodes, I think I would probably cringe at the things I have said just because I am not the same person as I was a few months ago or a year ago when I recorded those previous episodes. So the biggest thing I think I want to start with is that I have this knee-jerk reaction to always go black and white with things. That's just the way I am, probably from religious programming is my guess. Um, Religious programming is very black and white. You know, this is wrong and this is right. So your brain very much learns, you know, big lines, black, white. There is no gray. There's no neutrality. So as an adult, I'm always watching myself want to get very black and white with things and very all or nothing but I have to challenge myself and you know bring it back to neutrality there's there's times for black and white there's times for all and nothing there's times for like 100% truth and fact that exists but then there's other times where neutrality is needed and to sit in the gray zone or to observe and recognize the gray zone is important but the first thing I want to talk about is victimhood so I've been in this phase of life where I am trying to take radical responsibility for my life for my body for everything and in order to do that you cannot be in victimhood you cannot play the victim but that is the ego's fuel the ego loves our mind loves to be a victim it loves to blame something or someone to be a victim and say poor me because then you don't have to take responsibility that's the favorite tactic of the ego but what i had to wake up to is that there is a victim triangle with your body with health with symptoms the victim triangle is a perpetrator a victim and a rescuer they all coexist they all need each other to be in existence so with the body with health the perpetrator could be cancer it could be food it could be viruses give you the whole covid thing right that was the perpetrator covid was the perpetrator um it could be you know there's everything about seed oils toxic seed oils don't eat from restaurants toxic seed oils that's now a perpetrator to a lot of you know healthy people seed oils is the perpetrator um you know you know you can look at mold or candida as the perpetrator it is the perpetrator to your body so it's these things attacking the body so then the victim is you And then if you're a victim 
to cancer, if you're a victim to seed oils, if you're a victim to candida, if you're a victim to the flu, then you need a savior. You need a rescuer. You need supplements. You need pills. You need a doctor. You need a healer. You're like, poor me, poor me. I am being attacked by this thing, whether it's cancer or the flu. I am being attacked by this thing. Poor me, I'm the victim. I need saving. I need a rescuer. And I would argue that, what, 99% of us do this. We are involved in victimhood with our own body. So then how could we ever feel safe within our own body? If you feel cancer could attack you at any moment, you know, in your 50s, in your 60s, if you feel COVID could attack you at any moment, the flu, the stomach bug can attack you at any moment, how can you be safe in your own body? This is core safety shit. And it deals with you and your own body because of victimhood. So then the next deep core issue is trust issues. So how this showed up for me is that I started observing how many thoughts a day I had about my body. Every little knee creak, my knees are stiff or, you know, my stomach hurts or this or that, wrinkles on my face, whatever. I would notice the thought I have about my body. Oh, my stomach hurts. Oh my gosh, what's wrong? How my reactive knee-jerk reaction was what is wrong? I would have a thought about my body. It's like a negative symptom or something I perceived as negative. Like my knees are stiff. Oh, my knees are stiff when I just got up. What's wrong? What's wrong with my knees? My reaction was what is wrong? From that knee-jerk reaction of my mind saying, what is wrong? There lies the truth that my subconscious mind, my beliefs about my body is that it is doing something to me. I am a victim to my body. The belief I want to believe is that my body is for me. It is always healing. It is so intelligent. I want to believe that. I talk like I believe that. But it is in the reactionary voice in my head when I experience a negative body symptom, negative, air quotes, it's the reaction of what is wrong that I know the truth of my beliefs is that I think my body is against me. That's the core of my beliefs. I don't want to believe that, but that's what my body believes. That is my subconscious belief system. So if my mind immediately says, what's wrong? I don't trust my body. I don't actually trust that my body is for me and I don't actually trust that my body is doing everything perfectly and intelligently. So again, I'm facing the actual truths of my beliefs. I don't want to believe that way, but that's just what I believe from my past. And the only way to change it is to be aware of it. I have, I never could have, I never have faced that I think my body is attacking me or that I don't truly believe it is for me. I, I logically can say those words, my body is for me and it's intelligent and blah, blah, blah. I already said it in this podcast. I could say the words, but my mind thoughts and reactions 
say completely different story. So my challenge to you is to observe how many times a day you have a thought about your body. You're so tired. Oh, you're so weak. Oh, you, all these things, all these things. You're bloated. You have a headache. Watch your thoughts daily. How many thoughts do you have per day about your body? About how it's not serving you. How it is not expressing itself in a way that you like. So once you compile, so for me, I would probably have like 20 to 25 thoughts a day negatively about my body. And I never ever thought I was like this before. So I faced the facts that I had 20 to 25 thoughts a day where I was negative about my body with, how, with the symptoms of how it was expressing itself. And every time I had a thought, I replaced it with, I am healing, I am healed, I am healing. It was very enlightening to face the reality of how many negative thoughts I had about my body and the symptoms it has and how I feel. What's so mind-blowing to me is that the same amount of energy is not focused on what is my body doing right every day. I'm not having 25 thoughts a day about what my body is doing right. Just to be sitting here recording this podcast, my body is going through thousands of processes and mechanisms to just do this. Maybe, probably millions, I'm not sure. You know, why can't we recognize everything the body does right in a day? I think it's just because we have a mind and our mind plays a victim to our own body. Poor me, I'm so tired. Poor me, I'm so bloated. Just see how much you talk about it. Notice how much you talk about your body in its negative symptoms to other people. How many topics of conversation are you talking about it? And to how many people daily? Where thoughts go, energy flows. So if you're thinking about it constantly, if you're talking about it with people, look at that energetic output about how horrible your body is. Look at those energetics you are putting out into the universe. This is what I had to wake up to. (laughs) This is what I woke up to. I am awoke. Another truth I've faced is how we cannot accept a negative body symptom. So there's the whole conversation of, you know, When anger arises, when grief arises, when sadness arises, don't deny it, don't repress it, accept it. The body, you know, communicates and expresses itself for a reason. So there is the whole conversation of don't silence and repress big negative emotions. I don't like the word negative, but it's, you know, it relays what I need to relay. So low emotions. So we know we should honor low emotions it comes up for a reason and the more we resist it and repress it the more it boils up boils up well the same could be true with negative body symptoms it is not okay with us you know our body is expressing itself in the form of a stomach ache it's healing the stomach ache means it's healing but it hurts and it's not okay with us we are not okay with the body expressing itself in the way of a stomach ache. So we silence it. 
we take this or that, you know, supplement, an herb, a homeopathic, you know, a big pharma pill, no matter what it is, we silence it because we are not okay with our body expressing itself in the way it is. We silence it, we repress it, we deny it, we say, nope, not okay. If our knee-jerk reaction is to take a pill, an herb, a supplement, a homeopathic, a big pharma pill to get rid of a body symptom, we literally do not trust the body. You're, if you say, I trust my body and it's for me, but you silence a symptom, again, you know, this can be taken black and white. I'm not saying you're weak to take pain pills or you should never take anything ever again. I'm just saying, have this awareness. And it, to me, it's more so about the knee-jerk reaction. If you get a stomachache and your knee-jerk reaction is, I need to go take this thing to shut it off, to me, that's what's important. But if, if it's lasting for hours or days and you've tried other things and you've actually looked at maybe the emotional reason as to why you're having a stomachache or you're literally just not accepting that your body's expressing itself in this way, to me, it's about the knee-jerk reaction. Like, of course, it's okay to use modalities at a certain time and a certain place. But if you immediately need a pill or a healer to get rid of a symptom your body is expressing, you don't trust your body. You don't trust that your body is doing the most intelligent thing it is supposed to be doing. The body doesn't make mistakes ever. But we try to take control you know, we try to, we buy hundreds of dollars in supplements or we get super strict on our diet so that we can feel in control. Just so we have that sense of control. Because it feels so out of control when our body is expressing itself in these ways. And it's not okay with us. So this leads me to my next major aha moment. Because just a few months ago, I spent hundreds of dollars on supplements on like reishi mushroom and olive leaf and things. And that's not bad, okay? It's not bad. But we desire an external fix to an internal issue, right? It's just like wanting money to be happy, needing supplements to fix your internal issue. It's not even an issue. We, the body is expressing itself in a certain way. It might not even be an issue. It could be the body's expressing itself in a healing way. And we perceive it as bad. I think that's the biggest point. Is that we have a stomach ache and we immediately think it's bad. But that is literal proof the body is healing. It is doing its job. It is doing exactly what it needs to do. Okay, but this is, this is the truth for a lot of people. This was me. We would rather spend hundreds of dollars on supplements, pills, healers, chiropractors, doctors. We would even change our diet to be vegan or to be carnivore than to actually change ourselves. 
We will do all of those things instead of actually change our life, which is usually the cause of a lot of body issues, right? Lack of integrity, lack of boundary setting, letting people walk all over you. The body tells the truth when we cannot. The body never lies. So most of us would rather spend hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars on these external fixes than to fix the internal shit, like setting a boundary with your in-laws, healing your relationship with your mom, forgiving a friend, facing the truths of your marriage, whatever they are, but facing the truths of your marriage. Leave a religion. Face your addiction to your victimhood. We all want this external easy fix for the hard shit. The hard shit where, you know, setting a boundary actually requires vulnerability and the risk of rejection, the risk of abandonment. Or approaching your mother to heal the relationship with your mother. That is vulnerable and that is risking abandonment that is risking rejection facing your victimhood that will require you to take radical responsibility for everything in your life the condition of your relationships the amount of money you make how people treat you facing your victimhood will make you take responsibility for everything because everything is in your responsibility. If someone abuses you, it's your responsibility to leave. You have control of you, no one else. I am saying all of this because this is everything I've had to learn and it's because I have had the persistence of a body symptom, a body symptom that I haven't been okay with. So I've literally lived through all of this the past few months, like almost this whole year, because since like March, I've had this reoccurring body symptom. It comes up every single month and it's only in the past two months that I, because it's been persistent, I've had to take a very, very, very honest and close look at it. And I've, and I've changed my life. I've changed life decisions because of this persistent symptom. So I have watched myself want to silence the symptom and be like, no, this is not okay with me. But it keeps popping up. It actually will not go away. So I have to keep facing it. And I am facing it. And because I faced it, I have made new decisions in my life. This persistent body symptom has changed my life because now I am making different decisions in my life. And I know it's not diet. So because I already eat, you know, so well, and no, I don't eat perfect. But throughout this, I am purposely not getting super dogmatic and strict with my diet. I am not, you know, getting super clean, super strict, because I know that is the trick of control. I just want to feel in control of my body and in control of this symptom, the illusion that I could control it through my diet. It makes, it makes me feel safe to feel like I have control over it. I don't really, but that's how I've always used diet, is a sense of control 
And that is legitimately what an eating disorder is about. And that's why I do look at a lot of wellness um, diets like, you know, society accepted eating disorders because it's all about control. The other major thing this persistent body symptom has given me is if I take a weed gummy, a cannabis gummy, sometimes my mind fixates on, you know, what if I have cancer? So I've had to deal with that I actually have the fear of cancer because I've always said that I don't, but the fear always comes up. And so I've, I've, again, it's another truth that I've had to face is that I'm actually, I am afraid of it. And it's obviously probably because of the society, because the, our society is obsessed with the fear of cancer. And I live in this society, so it is what it is. But my mind says, you know, like, what if you do have cancer? What if you do? And I'm like, well, you know, I could, you know, I could. What would I do? I would never go to Western medicine because they don't understand the roots of cancer anyways. But what would I do? Number one thing I know and thought of was Joe Dispenza meditations. That is the first thing I would do if I was told I have cancer or if I knew for a fact I had that. I know what I would do. Okay, well, why aren't you doing the Joe Dispenza meditations now, today? Well, because, you know, if I'm sick, you know, I deserve it more. You know, like if I'm sick, I'll actually do everything. So you only deserve to do all the things and you deserve all the best when you're sick? Really? Okay. Well, you can believe that, but you can change your habits and you can change your action. So then I started doing Joe Dispenza meditations. I've just been doing them for a little bit now and I've... (laughs) I've been learning so much. Um, You know, that's an episode for another day. But the point here is, you know, using the things you fear like death or cancer to get really crystal clear on on how would you be living your life if you knew death was coming or if if you had cancer. These things bring great clarity to our lives. And also begs the question, why are you waiting Why are you waiting for tragedy? Why are you waiting? Why are you going to be like every other average human and wait to change and do the habits and behaviors you know you should be doing? That's just kind of like insanity of knowing how you should be living your life, but waiting until like your mortality is in question. It's kind of insane. But most of us do that. So I'm like committed to not being insane. I'm committed to being above average. So I started the action of doing these meditations, you know, before I have a catastrophic event in my life. Lastly, I want to bring up a point that I thought of recently about how just imagine you were living with like stage four cancer. And you did not know. Okay? You're just living with stage 4 cancer. You don't even know. And then you found out that you have stage 4 cancer. What changed between 
not knowing, and knowing. What actually changed in reality? Nothing. Your body didn't change. The cancer didn't change. Nothing in reality changed. The only thing that changed was your mind. Not knowing and then knowing. So then it begs the question, what is real? What is real? Like, what if I have cancer right now and I'm living this way and I'm fine? I'm living, I'm fine, I'm living my life. This is reality. But then the mind knows and then the mind creates stories and then the mind creates fear and then the mind goes crazy. Everything goes back to the mind. I was facing the power of my mind this summer when I had a tiny bit of insomnia. Like, I don't even like to call it insomnia because it was literally like two nights in a row, which is nothing but, but what was daunting was the fear of insomnia. Like, that it would just keep continuing every single night. And if you have actually dealt with this, it's paralyzing. But it's all in the mind. My mind created the insomnia. That's the whole thing with insomnia, is it's created in the mind. That it could be fine. So this is my experience is, you're fine. You're like falling asleep and then the mind remembers. The mind remembers, oh no, what if I can't fall asleep tonight? And then there's this cascade of like fight or flight, butterflies, fear surging in the body. And it takes over your whole body and you see the power of the mind. Your body was totally fine. Like your body was even sleepy, but it was the mind that sabotaged it all. So after one night of full not sleep, I remember I was just like paralyzed by the thought of not sleeping that night because it's a consistent fear it's a it's a fear you have to face every single day because night comes so in the morning you're thinking what's going to happen tonight what's going to happen tonight it's a persistent fear because you face nightfall every single day and i would like walk around the grocery store and i would look at people and be like i bet they sleep well like it was it was it was a predominant thought in my mind all day long because I was so afraid of when night was going to come and I'd have to deal with this. I would have to deal with the power of my mind. Thank God I am so aware that I was facing, (laughs) I was facing it all with such presence that I was literally in the moment being like, I am afraid of my own mind. I am afraid that I might have insomnia for weeks or months on end and then become insane because of it and then end up in a psych ward and it's all my fault because it's my mind and it's the power of my mind. And the lesson for me in that was my mind's power. My mind could make me have insomnia, lead me to a psych ward and literally make me fall off a cliff and make me go crazy. My mind has that power So how do I want to use my mind's power in that way or in a better constructive way, 
right? Like creating the life of my dreams. Like in what way do I want to use my mind's power? Or, you know, even with the focus of my body and health, like do I want to focus my mind's power on how how bad my body's acting and how these negative symptoms are coming up and, oh, you know, I don't like these symptoms and that's not okay. Do I want to use my mind's power in that way or do I want to shift it entirely and focus on everything my body is doing well and, and relearning and retraining how my body is always doing the most intelligent thing. So how I got through my insomnia and it, it wasn't even like insomnia because it was like, you know, one to two nights here or there when, and so I, I guess I'm discounting my experience, but um, I've watched my mom live through insomnia for many months and it was literally like hell on earth. So that's why the fear was more real to me is that I watched her go through it. But because I watched her go through it and it was a transformative life moment, it was literally hell on earth, but it's also transformative Um, I know she would say she would live through it again to learn what she did. So that's the wisdom that I leaned into. And I was like, I don't have to live through the reality of insomnia like my mom did. I could just take her wisdom. So on a night where I took a cannabis gummy because I purposely do it, like I use it with intention. If I'm dealing with something like this, I take it. And then it confronts me with the truth that I need to see. So I took a cannabis gummy and... It was just bombarding me with my fear of insomnia. And I had to be honest about, Leah, what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is you don't sleep for months. (laughs) And that's horrible. That's horrible. But you watched your mom survive. And she's kind of better for it. She would live through it again because of the lessons she learned. So if, if your body has to express itself in the way of insomnia you know, accept that, accept that that's how your body is willing to express itself and needs to express itself. So while I was dealing with the fear of insomnia, I had to face what the truth of what would happen if, if I lived it. And the truth is that, you know, if, if I lived through it, I could just accept that that's what my body needs to do. That's what my soul needs to live through to gain certain wisdom. And then ultimately, I didn't even live through it. But I feel like it was like 10 times, like I just, uh, I don't know, like I went through this warped time where I felt like I got the lesson of it without actually really, really, really experiencing it. And it was actually, it was really amazing. But it's a really, really real fear. It's, it's really intense. It's really crazy. And my biggest lesson, there was a few, but the biggest one I had to live through is that I was just doing the best I could. So if I had to take a cannabis gummy to fall asleep every night, which I only did it one time, but, I, but before I did it that one time, I had to be like, okay, Leah, if you have to take this every night for seven days, that's okay. Like you can let yourself do what you have to do to survive. And so it's so funny that like, I was just so present with like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be dependent on a substance, right? Um, But I had to give myself permission if I needed that for a straight week or two straight weeks 
I would give that to myself. And then I ended up only needing it one night. (laughs) But I think it's because I just, you know, needed to accept that my body was expressing itself in that way and give myself permission to do what I really thought was best in that moment. And a lot of things just come down to that. 